Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sabre Talk podcast. Got a lot more hockey to talk about, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Mark Geis. This is Josh Eppinger. Hey Josh, how's everything going for you this week? Uh, Pretty good, Mark. Uh, Had had, uh, some stuff going on. How about yourself? Uh, Not too bad. You know, just just working, just uh, getting by through another week. Yeah, I see. I saw. I I can see in the the video that you're uh, back home and not on the road right now. So that must be nice. Yeah, back in my trusty office, I guess you could call it, with my ex beer pong table desk that I use to do these podcasts. So, yeah, back <laughs> <Nice>. at home. <laughs> I'm in my girlfriend's sewing room. But uh, last night I uh, had a hockey game. Uh, we played. Um, we played the Doghouse, uh, the Kazusko Club last night, and. Uh, men's league hockey and uh went out took lost two to four uh and went out to the bar in dunkirk uh rookies on the lake and had a couple beers with uh, a couple teammates and on my way home i was just thinking about hockey and thinking about the old times uh we spent together playing back in high school and uh I was just thinking about the time, uh, I think it was in Casanova or West Seneca we were playing, and uh, this kid, uh, he had to be about an inch shorter than me and about probably at least 20 pounds lighter than me, and I mean, I'm about, high school, I'm about 5'11 with uh, about 195 pounds on me at the time, 90 pounds, uh, something around there, and uh, and uh Kid took uh, Mark uh, passed the puck and turned his back, and the kid def- hit Mark defensively. Uh, def- Mark was ha- ha- had no idea this kid was coming, and he cross-checked him in the back. And I was playing right wing at the time, so I came down and uh, cross-checked that kid in the back, and we both made the both made our way in the box. Uh, it- had to stick up for a fellow teammate there. Uh, wouldn't let uh, some young punk try to run Mark when he had his back turned on him. You remember that, Mark? Oh yeah, I remember multiple instances of of you doing that, and I know that my mom every once in a while will bring it up. Like anytime somebody would try to hit me or something, you know, I'm trying not to go to the box or anything, but you'd come across and and make it known that you were there. And for a frame of reference, too, I'm about I was probably about six four two ten at the time, um, but Josh was Josh was always there to come in and be the second man in. Ooh. If in any, if need be, yeah. In any situation, too. Uh, I uh, messaged my uh, old hockey coach the other night. He gave me a pair of pair. Our coach, uh, Mr. Schindler, there, and he uh, gave me an old pair of laces. I uh, I ri- I uh, was lacing them up last week, and I ripped them, so I put a new pair on my right boot. And we, uh, I I sent him a picture of the message. I'm like, hey, thanks for the thanks for the. The laces seven years ago, they last me, and I still got the one on my left boot. And uh, it was just kind of, it was funny, you know. Uh, stuff like that kind of sticks with you, you know. You never forget those times. Uh, something, like, something to hold on to and cherish. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll always remember those times. One of my favorites is when we had to sit on different walls of the locker room, <laughs> and then we... You know, started out sitting kind of far apart. We could still kind of talk to each other 
across the room, and then we gradually made our way to where we sat in a corner. So we were both still on different walls, but we were still next to each other. Uh, it's always one of my favorites. Was I think that was under Coach Sheridan or Coach uh, Wallander. I play against Coach Wallander in men's league now too. That's always interesting. Oh okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I think we might if, if we play Heenan's tonight. That's we'll be playing against them. So, Coach Wallander, if you're listening, I'm coming after you. <laughs> I'm sure he's a he's a consistent listener to the Saber Talk podcast. Oh, you know it, you know it. <laughs> well, All right, well, I guess we'll we'll hop into it. Stop uh, distracting everybody with our hockey memories, living back in the day, uh, reminiscing. <laughs> yeah, we always throw that typically somewhere throughout the the talk of the Sabers, though. Yep. So, great week. Sabers came out of it with three victories, so got all six possible points still a lot of work to do right now they sit at 26 23 and 10 and they play again tonight against the Blackhawks so that'll come on not too long after we're done with this podcast uh still in terms of point percentage they are behind all basically all the teams in that mix so they're behind Florida Toronto Boston the Islanders and the Flyers and point percentages total points divided by games played but they are just two points out of a playoff spot right now after florida did uh beat the kings last night everything else broke the sabers way yesterday the leafs lost um the islanders lost to the devils and i'm gonna say the the flyers lose as well i believe one of those other teams lost i forget that was the only game i didn't watch any of I, i watched some of the islanders devils and the leafs senators yesterday but uh, still a ton of work to do, but the Sabres are back in the conversation. We talked about they needed to string together a win streak, and that's what they did this week. Um, so they're back in the conversation at least. But mm-hmm. I want to make it clear, still a ton of work to do, and we'll talk more about the details later. So like we've been yeah. typically doing, I'll run through the recap of the three games, hit it off to Josh. He can start with whatever topic he wants, and we'll go from there. So Tuesday, the Sabres beat the Senators 3-2 to at Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa. Ryan O'Reilly opened up the scoring 24 seconds into the game. Bobby Ryan and Dion Phaneuf scored the two subsequent goals before Matt Molson and Justin Bailey scored two goals in the third period to give the Sabres the lead, and the Sabres were able to hold on. Robin Leonard got the win with 39 saves on 41 shots. And the Sabres were outshot 41-25 to in this one. The Corsi was also, I, th- I believe it was 84-48. to It was pretty lopsided, but I think it's a little bit deceptive a lot of the Senator shots were coming from outside, and I don't think the game was as lopsided as those numbers would indicate. Zach Bogosian returned to the lineup in this one, so I got another guy back from injury on the back end. Thursday night, Sabres played on national TV versus the Colorado Avalanche. They won 2 to nothing. Robin Leonard got the shutout. They continued to ride Leonard, and he made 23 saves in this one. Reinhardt and Kane scored for the Sabres in the win. And Reinhardt's goal was on the power play. Keynes was at even strength, like he's been doing, even strength monster. Uh, and he continued his, his hot streak. And Saturday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, the Sabres beat the Blues 3-2. to This is one of the big tests of the week. The Blues, one of the hottest teams in the league. Tarasenko opened the scoring about a minute and a half in. And then Nick Baptiste scored his third of the season about halfway through the first period on a great pass by, by Eichel on the rush. And Baptiste was called up to replace Sam Reinhardt in the lineup in this one. He sat out with an illness. 
and Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly then scored later on in the second period. And the Sabres held the fort in the third period, only giving up a shorthanded breakaway goal to Scotty Upshaw. Uh, uh, Robin Leonard got the win in this one, making 37 saves on 39 shots. The Sabres were outshot again. Uh, Cody Franson returned to the lineup in this one, and in a subsequent move, the Sabres waived Taylor Fadoon, something I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point in this show. But yeah. that's where they are now, about a 13% chance at the playoffs. I've been updating that stat every week. So they improved their chances significantly, but it's still a long shot, still a ton of work to do. So, Josh, you want to start wherever you want to go? Well, you know where I want to go? I want to start off with just saying we were predicting the games through this week, and you said the Sabres were going to lay a goose egg against the Avalanche, um, the worst team in the yeah, hockey it was, league. In the it was bold. <laughs> The Avalanche have owned the Sabres, though, in recent years. I believe it was like they were like 10-0-2 or something like that in their last 12 games. I know that this is a different Avalanche team, but yeah. just trying to defend my bad pick, I guess. Well, you know what? It's not a bad <laughs> pick because how many times have the Sabres, as of late, before this week started, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And we were all, we were pretty certain that we were going to beat Ottawa last week when we were talking about it um, on Valentine's Day. We were going to we said that the Sabres would beat Ottawa in Ottawa, but um, after uh, your favorite player Dion Phaneuf puts him up by one point, it starts getting a little scary. Okay, Dion Phaneuf. Just to clear this up for all the Saber Talk listeners, I like Dion Phaneuf back in his early days, back with the Flames and. Of course, he got traded to the Leafs, and Josh has not let that go forever. Like, like I have a Dion Phaneuf Leafs jersey somewhere in my closet or something. But to be clear, he's not my favorite player, but I liked him a lot his first but four or five years in the league. He liked him He liked him so much. Back on MySpace, he uh, posted a picture on Facebook. Uh, on MySpace, excuse me. And uh, the caption was, God. <laughs> so, Phaneuf is so, God. <laughs> hey, when he first came in the league, though, the booming shot, you know, he Clays. laid a ton of guys out, open ice hits. He doesn't do that quite as much anymore. But yeah. just uh, I'm just getting steamrolled so far in this episode, you know, with my avalanche pick and liking Dion Phaneuf. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, what a bad start for me. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I apologize, I apologize, really. <laughs> But Dion Phaneuf? Oh, no. Okay. So, um, so you know, after that Ottawa game, uh, I was watching the post-game interview uh, with Justin Bailey. Um, I thought it was pretty uh, cool. Um, some reporter asked Bailey, he goes, uh, he goes, what's it like, you know, your first career game-winning goal? Uh, y- you know, it's Valentine's Day. Are you going to give it to mom? He's like, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the puck, but uh, I am – I, 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 the puck shouldn't be that special to me because I, I plan on scoring a lot of game-winning goals in the future. So uh, I like that attitude. I like uh, that, you know, hey, no big deal. I'm going to go, you know, this is just the beginning. You know, the, the league's going to see more of Justin Bailey. I think he's, um, you know, we talk about Bailey, and then we brought up Rodriguez last week, and then Baptiste comes in and makes a you know, uh, makes a, a big difference in the game with a goal and assist against the Blues yesterday. Um, what a, you know, what what do you think the speed, the speed of these young players has done for this hockey team? I think it's really important. You know, them bringing in <clears throat> this kind of injection into the into the lineup has been 
has been extremely important and they've all come up and they've all looked like they've belonged. I mean, it's it, it's very rare to see that consistently with all your call-ups where everybody seems to fit in and find their niche pretty quickly. We saw it with Carrier earlier this year, and then you talked about Bailey. He's been a great fit on that line, I think, with, with Oposo and O'Reilly. Baptiste came right in, and Eichel didn't miss a beat playing with him. He can skate with Eichel, which is fantastic. And then Evan Rodriguez, despite – not having a ton of professional experience at center. This is really his first year where he's been he's been put at that position. He's fit in as well. And I, I don't think he's he's not quite on the speed level of those other three guys, but he still is faster than, than a majority of this lineup. So I think it's been extremely important, and that was a big part of the streak here. And I think these guys are making it very difficult to, to send them back down, Bailey especially. And I think that's been Bailey's – I didn't. I didn't hear that particular interview, but I know I. I heard a, a different one where he was basically saying that this call up feels different this time. Like it feels like he's here to stay, and it's that same kind of confidence. It's not arrogance, but it's confidence, which I, which I think you need when you're a young player in this league to be confident enough that okay, I'm not going back down. I know that I belong here, and I'm finding my role. And I think that's what he's he's doing a great job of. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Bailey, you know, like like you said, uh, I didn't hear. No, I heard my inter- the interview I was speaking of. I did not hear the one that you were speaking of. And uh, yeah, I definitely agree. It's not it's not cockiness. It's being confident. And if you're going to play in the most elite league in the of all hockey, you need to be confident. Um, you got to have a chip on your shoulder. You know, he's been he I, he's a player that has been wanting to come up for a little while and you know people you know people say well bailey's you know killing it in rochester why why isn't he in buffalo well now he's showing you why and i think that's helped him i think keeping him in rochester has helped him prepare himself to get farther in this uh get to go farther his next call up that he came up with and uh definitely been very good rodriguez has been a surprise to me um i i have enjoyed watching his play um but yeah, the the to see him play third line center and the you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to be handling as well as he is right now, and I don't know how long he could possibly handle it long term. It'd be nice to uh, know when uh, what's going on with Gergersons and uh, you know we're looking at a team that you know our third and fourth line centers you know when Ger- if if you put played Gergersons on the fourth line and Larson on the third or whatever i mean that's a that's a that's deep that's pretty uh deep down uh all four lines there if you're gonna count all those guys as centers and um baptiste is a uh, another guy who i wouldn't expect to come in and make such an impact right away but uh his speed showed he could skate up the ice with eichel eichel makes that nice move and cuts in and uh Feeds uh, Baptiste the puck, and he puts a backhand right through uh, Jake Allen's five-hole. Uh, pretty impressive stuff yesterday. Um, definitely, uh, definitely gets me excited seeing all these young, all this young talent flying around. Yeah, without a doubt. And those those guys are going to be playing major roles on this team sooner rather than later. I think next year they're still going to have decent cap flexibility, but um, when you start. I know I bring this up probably in, in, in some fashion or another in every podcast, but when you have to pay Reinhardt and Eichel, it's going to become that much more important to have those cheap types of guys to, to fill in. And I think 
you're seeing it with Bailey, Baptiste, and Carrier, and and now maybe uh, Rodriguez. I didn't really count on him to have any sort of NHL impact. I expect him to kind of be a tweener, AHL, NHL type, maybe like a you know a Cal O'Reilly type of guy. But m- maybe he has a, a long term future in in NHL bottom six. Maybe yeah. I can't can't rule that out at this point. Obviously, still too early to tell, but. Considering that this is only his second professional season, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, yeah, more than you know, not bad for undrafted uh, free agent. So, yeah, it's it's found money. Yeah, um, it's uh, man, I had a point. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on on those guys, but I, we can probably talk about <clears throat> Evander Kane continuing his torrid yeah. stretch. I mean, just just incredible. He's had what I, th- I believe twenty goals in his last thirty seven games. Because I don't think he scored at all in his first ten games back. Yeah, that's I'm pretty what sure I was that's gonna, the. That's, I'm pretty that's sure what, that's the stat. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. He didn't score. He got hurt after that first game flying into the boards at uh, against Montreal. That I, I was actually present at Key Bank Center. Um, him flying in the boards and hurting his ribs. He came back and wasn't doing anything. And you know, granted, you give you give a guy after going through an injury like that, you give him a couple games to get back on his feet and kind of get back used to playing at game speed and not practice speed and. Uh, he wasn't doing anything, and you know we're like, man, King can't score. Well, guess what? He leads this team in goals right now, and uh, has been on an absolute tirade. It's, it's, and now it's not even it's not even him shooting the puck that's getting him the goals. I mean, last yesterday he had a great deflection in front of the net. I like he's been doing a little bit of everything. It's a, uh, it's it's as a. As a hockey fan who's played the sport my whole life, it's just it's just nice seeing players doing, taking advantage of every every aspect of the game. Even playing in the corners, Evander Kane's been on fire uh, as of lately. So, I my my hats off to him. Yeah, definitely. You've gotta you've gotta just say, good for him. And you don't expect a guy this deep into his career. I know he's still young, but he's played in the NHL since he's eighteen. You don't expect a guy to change his game that much this deep into his career. Pretty much you expect this is who he is, and we're not going to see too much growth and development from there. But this year it just seems like, A, he's he's meshing with his line mates far better than he has in the past, and his decision-making is far better, and he's contributing in a multitude of ways. It's not just throwing the puck at the net and you know getting garbage goals. He's doing everything, like you said, and I think part of that development is him now fitting far better with Eichel than he ever did last year, and that line has looked great together. Eichel and Reinhardt have always had chemistry, but Kane playing the way he's playing, that's a that's a really good line now, and I always kind of dreaded when, when Kane would play with Eichel, thinking that it wasn't going to work, and typically it didn't work. Typically they weren't productive together, but it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch, and Good for him when people really were writing him off to start the year, saying, oh, he has absolutely no value around the NHL. Nobody wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole. Um, 
you know, the Sabres, are they going to re- try to release him from his contract? I mean, I don't think that was ever a realistic possibility whatsoever, but people, the fact that people were even mentioning that goes to show how people yeah. people had completely left him for dead. But now he's probably the hottest even-strength scorer in the NHL. Yeah, and, you know, let's, let's just not forget, you know, we can criticize the guy all we want, but hats off to Coach uh, Bilesma for um, – because where did this all start, Mark? This is all this all started. His streak all started when he got sent down to that third line. A move that we both of us were fans of, and like you you stressed it, um, it, it, it gave him an opportunity to play with the puck on his stick. And after he got that, after he started, he was the main guy with the puck on his stick on that line. And uh, after he got his confidence up and started getting some goals, they put him back up up with Jack and. He, he he hasn't slowed down. He's getting better. It's uh, it's pretty. It's it's been a good move for the Sabers. Definitely, yeah. I th- I th- I think that that progression has been great. And you know, I'm very critical of a lot of Bielsma's personnel decisions, but I think he's played this one very well. You know, I think it was the right move to send him down to the third line. Yeah, let him have the puck on his stick. Let him be the guy on that line. And he gets a few goals in. He starts playing off with his line mates better even on the third line and then now you promote him back up to one of the top two lines and he fits in perfectly so and maybe it's maybe it's part of his second year in Buffalo and being a lot more comfortable with the guys on this roster maybe he's somebody that needs some time to adjust to given players on a roster I don't know Uh, just trying to throw some things out there but last year was a lot of new guys all thrown together playing together for the first time so it took you know it it takes time to build up some of that chemistry. And last year, I think, was that year. It was that season of everybody learning, okay, what is what is my teammate good at? Who do I fit well with? Bilesma learning it. And then now this year, hopefully having some more solid pairs. And you've seen that. There's been less line juggling this year than there, ha- than there has been in prior years or than there was last year. Yeah. Definitely, and uh, that you know, that's I think a lot of Sabres fans have been one thing that they've been very uh, critical about is the line juggling and not being able to create chemistry. But uh, we're starting to see it now, you know, and I think we're starting to see it more with the younger guys too. I, which is a really, uh, really uh, refreshing thing. It's also, you know, to some other some of the older players, I think they're starting to get discouraged. Uh, I think after Valentine's Day, after Molson netted uh, a, a puck. He, he uh, said that he wants to be playing more, and he's a little upset that he hasn't been playing as much. But I got news for you, Matt Molson. Uh, I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think this is his role the rest of the time he's with the Sabres. He's going to be a fourth liner at even strength, and he'll be on the second power play unit. I know he was on the first power play unit yesterday because Reinhardt was out, but um, – that's what he is now. He's not very good at even strength, doesn't bring much at even strength, and nobody in their right mind would try to say that Matt Molson brings more to the table than a guy like Justin Bailey. Yeah. And now you have Justin Bailey has catapulted himself ahead of Molson. I just don't see it happening, barring significant injury, that Molson would be playing up on really probably in the top nine as a whole, but certainly not in the top yeah. six. Well, we, we, we see him get a few shifts up with Jack, the last couple games, uh, I think it was uh, Thursday's game he played a couple shifts and Tuesday's games he played a couple shifts with Eichel, but uh, that's where he got his goal was, uh, with with Jack and Sam. Um, but uh, 
not to switch the topic too much, but uh, something that we were talking about earlier before we uh, started today. Um, no one cleared Taylor. No, no one claimed Taylor Fadoon off of uh, waivers, so he's going back. To oh, he the did Amherst. clear. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's just afternoon Eastern time right now while we're doing this, so getting some real time updates. Um, and that's what I, I said. I didn't like the move of risking him, but I didn't think that he was going to be claimed. I think a lot of teams have a, a Fadoon type in their organization. I just thought it it didn't make sense to even take the risk. He's one of the eight capable defensemen that you have at the professional level. And to risk losing him, now you're down to seven, and your eighth defenseman becomes Casey Nelson. I just thought it was unnecessary. Yeah. I would have much preferred to see 11 forwards and seven defensemen dressed yesterday and then wave somebody like Delorier down, who you know is never going to get claimed in a million years. But I would have much preferred that rather than even take the risk that Fadoon would get taken. I don't know what your thoughts are on that one. Um, yeah, I agree for the most part. Um, he's a very he is important to this team. He he brings us a, a unique skill set that really no one can do is quite like him. Maybe Cody Franson, but uh, he move which is being able to move that puck uh, puck around and uh, just the just the risk to lose that guy. I think um, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised that no one out there really wanted him. But like you said, most teams have a guy like him already in the system that they can bring up just in case. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, feel a lot better after he get he he uh, cleared. So good. Uh, I think the Sabres must have had a good idea that no one was going to take him, or uh, or they wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I. I suppose, and there there are a lot of waiver claims like that all year, where people think, "Oh, there's there's this guy has to be claimed." I don't think people were saying that Fadoon, you know, 100% was going to get claimed, <laughs> but a lot of people were worried about it, and most of those guys end up going through waivers unclaimed. So it was no different with Fadoon. It was more, I thought it was an unnecessary risk to take when I think, especially with Cody Franson coming back from injury, it makes even more sense to dress 7D at that point. Yeah. Um, and I do think Fadoon's the uh, clearly the eighth guy now. They seem to like Falk a lot. He seems to be the clear number seven. Uh, and Fadoon has his weaknesses. You know, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. That he's there's a reason why he's not a bona fide top six defenseman because he gets out muscled. He's not great in the defensive zone, but uh, he does bring a unique skill set. Like you said, we don't really have a, a another guy in the system that can skate like him from the back end and that can contribute offensively I guess like like he can but he's he's pretty pretty one-dimensional yeah definitely um but good that's good news that we got him back um so a lot of uh Sabres fans out there just by uh me cruising around social medias and talking to uh people you know down at the bar and texting friends because they know that we do this podcast, and they know how much hockey's meant to me for a very long time. Uh, or, you know, messaging me and saying how excited they are the Sabres have won three in a row. Um, something that the Sabres haven't done yet this season was win two in a row. Now they're at three, and they have a game against the Blackhawks and tonight at 6 p.m. on NBCSN Sports. Um, by the way, today is... Uh, National ha- Hockey Day in America, so happy Hockey Day in America to you, Mark. Um, 
But um, fans are uh, getting excited thinking that the Sabres are going to be in a good spot for uh, coming in the play, uh, getting into this playoff race after winning three in a row. Um, we are currently sitting at 62 points, one point behind the Maple Leafs, and two points behind the Bruins. Um, so we would have the same amount of points totaled if we win today and the Bruins lose. Um, the, pr- the only problem with that is is um, the Bruins have beat us four games in a row. So we would never have that tiebreaker with them no matter what. Um, what do you think about the optimistic the optimistic Sabres fans in this playoff race right now, Mark? Um, well, I, I, I did want to say with the Bruins, uh, the first tiebreaker is regulation and overtime wins. So if the Sabres beat them in that tiebreaker, which doesn't look likely, because I think the Bruins are at, what, 27? I want to say they have 27 regulation and overtime wins. 29. Uh, but they have they have twenty nine. I thought they had twenty nine total wins. Oh, I thought they have. Oh, they have six overtime losses. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I, yeah. I I looked at it. I, I I'm not positive if that's the case, but that is the first tiebreaker. So it's possible. You know, as long as they're not tied in that category, the Sabers still could hold the tiebreaker conceivably over over the Bruins. Uh, but I think people are being a little bit too. Over optimistic. Now I know you and I discussed this briefly before we started the podcast, so you probably you knew where I was going with this one. Mm-hmm. But um, I think if you look at where we are in terms of points percentage, you're still behind all those teams. Those teams have a lot of games in hand, and there are a lot of hot teams up there. You know, look at how Florida has surged. Uh, t- Toronto's fallen back a little bit. They look they look pretty vulnerable, and I think they're going to feel some pressure to try to make a deal at the deadline to improve their defense. Uh, the Islanders also are surging up there, and there's still a ton of work to do. So I think people yesterday saying, oh, they're within one point of, of the playoffs, it's very misleading to say that. And really, in in reality, they're probably more like four or five or six points out right now when these teams finally play their games in hand and they have the bye week here after today's game. They don't play again until Saturday you'll see that gap get larger. So that's why I like to look at, at the points percentage as like, you know, a true barometer of the standings. But I do think if you look at where we were when we when we spoke last compared to where we are now, then it looked like, okay, they're going to have to rattle off a four-game win streak to really be back in the conversation. And they've won three in a row. So for them to even be in the conversation at this point, I think, is a huge improvement. So I don't want to rain on the parade too much. Uh, but first yeah. of all, but they're it, still not really completely back into it in terms of the standings, and I think the way that they're playing isn't necessarily sustainable, giving up 35, 40-plus shots every game pretty much, except unless they're playing the Avalanche, but they've been giving up tons <laughs> of shots. You can't expect yeah. Leonard to be able to weather the storm like this the whole rest of the season. Yeah, and when you look at um – and we look at yesterday's game, uh, a huge game for the Sabres, just to go out and beat a team that uh, won six in a row in, in the St. Louis Blues. But we only did shoot 28 shots on Jake Allen, and he led in three, so he had 25 saves. And uh, Robin Leonard had faced 39 shots and let two goals in. Um, 
Leonard's stand. You mentioned this earlier, and I. Uh, it was a point that I was. I, I've been thinking about too. Is um, Robin Leonard's. Uh, he's been playing on this head. He's been playing excellent. He's been lights out these last two weeks, and uh, I. You know I. How long can he stand on his head? Because I mean, anything's possible with him standing on his head and playing like this. But it's not gonna. It's not gonna last the rest of the season. Realistically. Yeah, yeah, I I can't imagine it him being able to, to do this for another 20-plus games. Uh, I do think, I know that shots on goal aren't everything. You know, people are probably listening to this like, well, you know, yeah, 40 shots coming from, coming from the outside is very different from 40 high-quality opportunities, and I get that. So in some of these games, the 40-plus num- shot numbers, it's been a little bit misleading because – a lot of them have come from the outside, and I think the Sabres have been gladly giving up those when Leonard's been in such a zone. He's not giving up bad rebounds that, you know, you, you're you not going to care if a team takes a, a relatively low percentage shot. But, for example, in the Blues game, I was looking at the heat map. I don't know if I've ever sent you these, Josh, where you can look at them, you know, where the shots on goal have come from. And yeah. the Blues got a lot of shots from directly in the slot, and a lot of point shots from the middle of the ice, and those are yeah. those are relatively high percentage shots. So when you got Ken, I know Shane, this is a really good team, and you kind of expected you need your goaltender to play well if you're going to beat a good team like the Blues. But yeah. they didn't about, outplay the Blues in this game. There's about 15 shots in the slot that I'm counting on my map right in front of me right now, and uh, right before you mentioned that, I was counting it between not directly in the slot, but. From in the slot and around the slot, about 15 shots took in. Um, you know this this defensive core is uh, we've said it. It's not it's not a it's not a top end defensive core. Um, Robin Leonard has been playing out of his mind. You got to keep on running that hot hand. That being said, I fully expect him to be playing in Chicago tonight, and I I question that playing Anders Nilsson every time. If they do today, but there's just I no no one can keep up with this uh, with the performance that Robin Leonard's had and kudos kudos for him to keep us in this in this playoff race. But he really has been carrying this team on his shoulders. Yeah, I mean the formula of Leonard making forty saves a night, Evander Kane getting you a an even strength goal every night and you hopefully getting a power play goal or two every night. That's been that's been the formula and can you keep that up for 30 games and expect <laughs> to play at a good enough pace to come back from being, you know, pretty much out of <laughs> close to being out of the playoff race and get back to a to a playoff position. I just don't see it happening. Mm-mm. But I would love to be proven wrong. Yes, yes, I'll jump and, I'll jump all over it. <laughs> hey, well, and the, and the defensive core is finally healthy. You know, it's the first time they've they've been together healthy since the very beginning of the season. They played a handful of games together before Kulikov got hurt the first time. I know Kulikov missed the opener, mm-hmm. and Nelson N- Nelson played in the opener, but then Kulikov came back. So the defense was healthy for like a few games, but they're finally healthy. But I question whether Josh Georges should be in the lineup at all. I mean, he he's looking virtually done to me. Like I think Falk or Fadoon even is an upgrade over Georges at this point. Interesting. I don't know what your thought. Are on um, that. 
Well, I did not see the game yesterday. I saw highlights of the game. Um, I was uh, up at uh, Peak and Peak Resort, Climber, New York. Come see me to get a snowboard lesson. And uh, <laughs> and um, so I watched the highlights and listened to the post-game interview. And one thing that Paul Hamilton said in the post-game interview about George's and Ristolainen playing together, that they were working together well. Um knowing where one of each other were going to be at after playing a whole season together last year. But uh, I'm not one that's always been a fan of George's. Um, he tries very hard, and where he's at at this stage of his career, it's, you know, all you can really expect from him is his play right now. And uh, I don't – I I don't – I'm not sure if I – if I, I definitely like Nielsen more than – not Nielsen, I'm sorry, uh, Falk more than I like uh, George's and Fadoon. You, you know, you're 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 trading one for the other. A, a good puck moving guy or a guy who can play defensively, play sound defensively. So it's kind of uh, you're 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 picking your poison there, in my opinion. Yeah, I, and I'm not trying to make the. I'm not trying to make the assertion that Falk or Fadoon are anything special by any means. I just think that Georges is a liability at this point. And um, I didn't hear what, what Hamilton had to say, but I'm sure you saw in the Tarasenko goal on the highlights, Georges being unable to shake, I forget who, who was with him in front, and you let Tarasenko walk right in to the slot. He's going to score on that nine times out of ten Yeah, yeah from there. He, he, he had like two seconds, like two full seconds with that puck uh, right on the side of the slot there. And, uh, wow, he makes it look easy. What a great player Tarasenko is, number one. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, yeah, but George is not being, not being able to step up and do anything there doesn't, you know, did make, did, did, uh, was one of the, the thoughts I had going in, uh, going into this podcast, watching the highlights yesterday. Um, I do want to say this this number too. So, <clears throat> Corsi four yesterday. <clears throat> in all situations, the, the Sabers had five Corsi four when Georges was on the ice, and twenty nine against. Wow. Then at even strength, it was four Corsi four and eighteen against. So, in all situations, fifteen percent, and then uh, at even strength, eighteen percent. So. Of course, that doesn't say everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Corsi doesn't tell the whole story, but he he really struggled in this game. I think he's been struggling overall. This is a guy that I've been a big fan of. You know, what he did coming from being undrafted, and he had a really nice run with the with the Canadians, playing a lot of minutes, blocked a ton of shots. But the guy had, had microfracture surgery in 2015, and not a lot of athletes come back from that at 100%. I don't think he's come back at come back at 100% since. And he's only 32, so you don't expect him to be falling off a cliff, but that's what it's looking like. I yeah. think he's 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 a liability at this point. Once we got uh we got um one more year of his contract and uh adios. Um, yeah. So Definitely will be a guy that we leave uh, unprotected in the expansion draft as well. We talked about that last week. Um, yep. 
this is a, you know, this defensive core, there's going to be a lot of things, you know, there's going to be some changes made this year. We talked about Gooley coming to the pros next year, playing in the AHL or the NHL. We, um, we, you got to think that uh, GM uh, Tim Murray's going to come in and maybe make a, bring in another defenseman in free agency this year. Uh, to help help this uh this back the the backside of this team, so that's definitely a struggle. I think our offense has been pretty good, even though you know we only hit, like I said we only had twenty eight shots yesterday, um, and you know the one good thing also about yesterday's game though was that Paul then Paul Hamilton brought this up in the post game that. They kept on, uh, they weren't sitting back and going into shell mode at the end of the game when they were up two goals. They were taking the puck and trying to play in, in, their, in the other team's defensive zone, which is a good thing. Um, like the Senators game, uh, they're in the last, around the last five minutes, the Sabres were shot, 15, outshot 15 to 0. And there's something that this team can't do is to sit back and, let a team come at them. You know, you gotta you gotta be aggressive and keep playing your game. Uh, I think that's been a big problem with this team for the majority of the season, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was it was one of their better second periods of the year, and then, and especially considering the team they were playing against, considering how hot the Blues are. But then in the third period, they did they were they weren't just getting to the red line and dumping the puck in. They were trying to attack, trying to maintain possession, and they drew some penalties in the third period. And the third period was relatively even in terms of play. You know, I don't think the Sabres were absolutely blown out of the building like they typically are in third periods when they go in with a two-goal lead. You know, they were outplayed, but it wasn't it it wasn't completely tilted one way or the other. Uh, so that was that was nice to see, and that's something they're going to need to do to win. When they go back into shell mode, it gets them into trouble every single time. Yeah. They 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 are far less effective when um, when they're in shell mode rather than when they're just playing their normal game. They're better when they're aggressive and trying to take it to the other team and trying to maintain possession in the opposing offensive zone. So maybe you know maybe this is a shift on Bilesmo's part where he's realized that like I can't keep going into this into this shell mode once we get a lead we need to we need to try to just keep playing our game maybe he realized it maybe the team just executed far better in this third period than they typically do but that was definitely encouraging to see and it's hopefully part of a progression where this team learns how to win consistently cuz so many of these games we would see them blow it and it would go to overtime and they'd probably end up losing in a shootout or something Mm-hmm. Um, against a good team like this, but they were able to hold on. Yeah, and uh, speak, going back to uh, speaking about optimism of the playoffs, um, these are, um, I just read a tweet here from uh, Mike, Har- Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News, and multi-game, multi-game opponents left on the Sabre schedule. Columbus Blue Jackets 3, Toronto 2, Tampa Bay 2, Florida 2, Pittsburgh 2, Arizona 2. So Columbus is not a team that you want to play three times. Toronto is a team that you want to play. They try to jump in the in the standings. Tampa Bay's 
hasn't been all that good, but you never know what they're going to bring in, in any given night. Um, Florida has been huge lately. We uh, we we talked about that earlier. Pittsburgh, never a team you want to play. Arizona, a team you always want to play. And then we have ten other games that other teams that we play only once. So, just a uh, interest. I thought it was an interesting tweet. Uh, just something to think about with uh, the remainder of the schedule and. If you're looking for the Sabres to make a push for that last spot in the division or maybe that last spot in the wild card. Well, it's nice to have those games against Toronto. You know, at least you can, you know, you can hopefully jump ahead of them if you can, if you can win all those games. Uh, But they have squandered, you 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 mentioned it. I don't know if it was before we went on the air or not, but Boston losing those games to Boston. I mean, yeah, it was. It was when we were on the air. Yeah. Um, and losing those games to them really hurts because now you don't really have recourse to to make up those points in the standings in games against them. And really think about if if they had if they had split those games, things would be looking a lot different right now. Um, not only would they be ahead of Boston, but they'd be, you know, probably one of the favorites for either that that third spot in the division or the or the second wild card spot so yeah it'll be it'll be a very interesting run and this is about it is where, fun to just be in it yeah this is about where you predicted the sabers to be uh before the season started before we even started doing this podcast if if i if uh if my memory serves me well that um you were saying just outside the playoffs again basically this year uh earlier this season right yeah, I think I was saying probably fifth. I think I said fifth place in the division, um, and then that would be right outside, you know, right outside the the wild card spot, but yeah. in the conversation at least. Which that's about where they are right now, but things are trending well in their direction. You know that they, they're I believe six three and one in their last ten games. The Sabers are, and um, I, I mentioned it before. Toronto's fallen back a little bit, so. Really, they could finish anywhere from 13th in the conference to 8th in the conference, I guess. There's a huge variation there as to where they end up. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fun. Um, what might not be so fun is uh, playing the Blackhawks tonight. Uh, one of the best teams in this modern era of hockey, for sure. Um a, dyna- a dynasty, if you really think about it, uh, three Stanley Cup rings uh, with uh, this 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 Jonathan Taves led team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been uh, not quite on di- on the dynasty level, but this core is up there. They have multiple Hall of Famers on this roster. You know, Duncan Keith, Hall of Famer. Patrick Kane's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Jonathan Taves will be a Hall of Famer. Marion Hosa. First battle Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hosa might be one of the most underrated players from from our generation here. Yeah. Great, great, great two way player. Can snipe can snipe a puck. He, you know, overall sound professional as it comes hockey player. Uh speaking about overall great plays and stuff, did you see um I know you had to see though, the the Yammer Yager uh play behind the net when he uh yeah. stripped the defenseman? There, uh, yep. That was vintage. Pretty, yeah, that's just that's just experience right there all day, man. That was cool. 
Yep, unfortunately helping them in the playoff race, but mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, Sabres fans. <laughs> um, just but uh, yeah, he's seeing a play like that gets me going. Yeah, an incredible career from him too. I mean, I can't believe he's he's still playing, and it's it's fun to think about what would have happened had he not gone back over to Russia, and if he had yeah, you know, if he had if, if he had played in the NHL his entire his entire career. His numbers would have been that much greater than they are, and they're incredible as as it is. And it's funny how a guy's reputation can change over the course of his career. Like, remember when we were kids? It's like, oh, Yager's just selfish, and he's a prima donna, and he's not a good teammate. You know, all that type of stuff, which I never really saw that. It was never that well substantiated. I don't think. I I think it was kind of a smear job by the NHL media because. He left, or he first he was threatening to leave the NHL. Then he did leave the NHL, and I think it was kind of a smear job put on. But his reputation is on a complete 180. And now you know he's the he's the hardworking vet. He's the great teammate, the guy that's mentoring all these young <laughs> players. It's really interesting to see what happens over the course of you know 10 to 15 years. I I I just love the brag that I was at the 2001. Um, I was in the 2001 um, playoff, one of the games uh, in Buffalo when uh, HSBC Arena when Sabres lost, I think, 3-0 that game. But uh, I did get to see Yager and Lemieux play, and uh, that's just one of my bright spots in my hockey career. That was the series where Darius Kasparitis won the series in overtime. Wasn't that that series? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the last time you ever see Dominic Hasek in a Sabres uniform as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was the that was the end of an era. Oh, I hated I hated Darius Kasparitis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh that was tough to swallow, man. We we were um shoot, we were like what nine ten years old at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yep, yeah, right in the uh probably when you're most crazy about hockey, I think, you know, right about at that age. Yeah. Not that we're not still crazy about it today, but well, that's I was, when like, you know, your favorite team, the players are gods. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda like uh DM Yeah, like FNUF, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? At that age I wasn't on hockey future boards like you. Hanging out. Uh, yeah, back out then it was prospects. I think uh yeah, back then I think it was like Sabres dot com. Message boards. I don't even know if hockey's future boards existed. <laughs> so, um, what, what do you expect from this game tonight, Mark? Uh, Blackhawks coming in on National Hockey Day in America. Two of the biggest hockey markets in America. I, I you know, I'd argue local, locally watched. Um, the Sabers. I put them against any team from uh, hometown viewers. Um, yeah, the Sabres are leading in ratings again by a pretty healthy margin among U.S. markets yeah. this year. Of course, it's a smaller market, so you know it's kind of apples and oranges comparing Buffalo to Chicago because yeah. Chicago's got you know Chicago's got a lot of a lot more other sports going on, a lot a lot more other things going on. Where this where Buffalo, we have the Sabres and the Bills. That's you know those are the two big dogs. Yeah, but yeah, this is a. Uh, a matchup of of two fairly storied franchises, you know the Blackhawks especially. We'd call the Sabres a storied franchise. I don't know, I don't know how much everybody else would, but uh, I'm not expecting 
a win in this one, but there are a lot of things that are that are going well the Sabres way. So Chicago just came off their bye, and then they had a game yesterday against Edmonton. They lost. Teams have been horrible coming off this bye week. And so they come off this bye week, and then they have a back-to-back right away against Edmonton, a very good team, and then against Buffalo, a team that's fighting for their lives. So I think this matchup looks better for Buffalo than you would typically expect a Blackhawks-Sabres matchup to look. Now, of course, I do have to say that the Blackhawks did win five straight before going into that bye. So they they were rolling along pretty well before the bye, and I think it'll be hammered into their into their minds, you know, don't come out of a back-to-back with no points. So, yeah, we'll see. I think they're, I think they're going with with Darling tonight. I don't know if that's been officially announced, but yeah, uh, I know um, Crawford played yesterday. Typically, they go with their backup on the other on the was, back end of the back-to-back. I was told I read something earlier. I was trying to find the tweet, um, but they're they were flying a guy to Buffalo to play backup goalie tonight. So is Darling injured? Then, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know too much about the Blackhawks, and I can't. I can't find the tweet. I hate. I would hate to say that I'm wrong about this, but I, I um, I couldn't find it. Someone someone mentioned it. Some Buffalo writer. Uh, let's not, see. Just so we don't leave that out in the. I'm seeing. Look for Scott Darling to start in goal against the Sabres Sunday evening. Um, let's see. I'll search Corey Crawford as well. You're going to get good pictures of his uh, sports action figure. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about Corey Crawford. I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. I can try to do... Should probably go to their hockey's future board message boards. That's probably where they'd be. Okay, we'll we'll spend about another fifteen seconds on this if I don't find it. Then we'll just go. Okay, yeah. Scott Darling's gonna be in goal. <laughs> <laughs> Not, who hasn't had a bad season, by the way? Darling's been all right. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a good backup. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's not like the Sabres are getting a pass by not playing Crawford tonight. Um, Also, the Sabres, you know, the last few times they've played Chicago, it's it's generally been a pretty good game. Um, It's uh, one team that's way, way heavier on both sides of uh, the front and the back end. Uh, you know, Chicago has them beat by far, but uh, the Sabres come and play play pretty good against Chicago. I th- I think it's something about going out and playing against some of these best players, best teams in hockey that maybe gets the Sabres guys on the Sabres going. Like, uh, might get you know, Jack Eichel wants to showcase his skills against Chicago. You know, he shows up. He seems to show up on uh, big games, so it should be interesting. Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, when you're when you're a juggernaut like the Blackhawks, you tend to get every team's best shot, mm-hmm. and every team is circling you on the calendar like, oh, this is a game where we really want to win because we're playing this great team. And oftentimes, these games are nationally televised. The Blackhawks are probably probably the most televised team in the United States. You know, maybe Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Chicago are probably pretty close, but. Um, 
I think that certainly factors into it. But, yeah, I know last year when they played, it was close. Chicago won, but I don't remember the details. I remember them winning, but it was a close game. Overtime, overtime, Patrick Kane. Um, Yes. We were were winning the game. Patrick Kane came in from the end boards and uh, gave someone a pass and then went to overtime, and then they won like a minute in the overtime. That's right. That's um, right. And so, then we always have to thank the Blackhawks for uh, for Jonathan Taves scoring those two goals in the tank year. To, oh yes, yes. The Sabers were were beating the Blackhawks, and it would have made you know would have put the Coyotes in the driver's seat to get that thirtieth place finish. Yeah, but Taves scored two goals late. I remember where I was. I remember where I was. It's like one of those things. He's like, <laughs> like as much as like you don't want to like talk about it. I remember where I was. I was sitting at my buddy's house playing poker. He didn't have. He doesn't have a TV. So I had I had my phone playing the WGG the WGR app over a Bluetooth speaker. And when um when Taves, I I was pissed. And I remember. Tape score. I'm like, yeah, and then like two seconds later, you know, not two seconds later, but in a short amount of time, Tate scored again, and I was losing it, man. <laughs> I, it's just one of those things you remember where you're at, and oh man, we needed, we needed something, and that was uh, yeah. the tank. So, yep, I think I was in my apartment in Syracuse at the time, watching on my little TV I had back then. Um, I don't remember details. I don't think I was with anybody watching it, but I was certainly certainly happy. Those those seasons were fun in their own way, I guess. Unique. It was a, it was a different experience, that's for sure. Yeah, it was better at least than being in the purgatory where the Sabers were for so long. Where, yeah, you know, you're coming, you're you're in tenth, eleventh place in the conference every year. It was at least nice to feel like you're working towards something. So, um. So you mentioned it earlier, Mark. Um, Sabers, uh, if the Sabers uh, end up w- getting two points tonight, how do you feel going into the bye week? I certainly feel a heck of a lot better. You know, I still they're st- they're still not in the driver's seat. There still would be a lot of work left to do, but being able to go into the bye with a four game win streak, be able to get all eight of these points. Now you jump ahead of some of these other teams in terms of point percentage, and I think the next week you're not going to see that, you know, that deficit eroded away quite as much as you would have otherwise. So I'm not going to say I'm 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 going to start buying playoff tickets or anything if they win today, but I think I think it becomes a far more realistic possibility. And I'm sure you probably think about the same yeah. way. I mean, well, if- nothing too unique coming from my end, I guess. My well, perspective. If the Sabres make a playoffs, Mark, I'll put it this way: I'll buy our tickets. So <laughs> when they face against the or when they face off against the Wild in the Stanley Cup Finals, then I can go to a couple oh. games in Minneapolis or you know, in St. Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Mark, uh, I gotta get ready and uh, head down to work here pretty soon. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before? Uh, uh, we uh, call this podcast. Um, we should mention. Um, I, I don't think we talked. 
I mean, we did talk a little bit about Eichel the the week that he had. Yeah. And um, that was important. I wanted to make sure we talked about that. Um, we should we should mention the other game that they'll have before we talk next. Um, which will be who, who are they playing on Saturday again? Next Saturday. Uh, next Saturday. One second. Oh, it'll be Colorado again. Colorado in Colorado. In yeah. Colorado, so a little that's a little eight, west ten o'clock, co- 10 o'clock yeah, a little game. west coast trip. Yep. Yep. And then so Arizona Predators, then, who we have the same amount of points against. So, wow. Yep. So you got to hope that, that the Sabers can beat up on on Colorado and Arizona. Those are important games. You've got to beat bad teams when you're trying to make up points. Absolutely. Um, and if yep. they squander one or both of those games, then I think the conversation changes quite a bit because the schedule gets harder from then on. So Yeah. And, you um, know, you mentioned yeah, well, it earlier, teams coming coming off of this five-game buy have been uh, statistically bad for the most part, uh, taking five days off and then co- going right back into two games in, two games in a row, you know. So... We'll we'll see how it works. Uh, hopefully they can they come back ready and they look like they have been playing these last three games. Yep, yep. And it's nice they're they're playing poor poor teams coming out of this. Is you know they're not going and playing another team that's hungry for a playoff spot. So we at least can have I guess some some uh, take some solace in that. But it it becomes even more of a trap game too. I think it, it it almost becomes more difficult because Colorado's so bad and you're expected to win the game. And you see it at the NFL all the time, you know, the Bills are, are so good at losing those trap games. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, I think that's everything I wanted to cover. Anything else on your end? Uh, no. I just want to wish everyone a happy National Hockey Day in America. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel so, like I feel like whoever runs that paid you to like really promote it on the Saber Talk podcast. Oh uh, yeah, I just had I don't want I don't want you to know about the the all every all the money I'm reeking in. So yeah, I'm not trying to share all it with the you. all the advertising dollars. You're gonna start you know, I don't know, touting Yancey Fancy or something <laughs> oh, on the show. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll let liquor. That's uh, Mike Show, who I'm not a the biggest fan of. <laughs> on uh, WGR, um, was always plugging that. Um, you know, they just want the team to be bad so they can sell more outlet liquor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to before we go off air. I do want to apologize for uh, for uh, getting getting at you with the FNUF references earlier <laughs> in the show. I know, I know you. I want to say it publicly. Mark does not love Dion FNUF anymore. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I think he might have liked him a little bit back in Toronto, but when he went to Ottawa, it was like two teams. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> okay, even then, you're. <laughs> Once somebody goes to Toronto, I'm no longer a fan of that player. <laughs> just to, just to clear that up. Oh, but man. no, the banter's good. The banter's good. Um, yes. I deserved it after my extremely pessimistic predictions last week and 
I guess uh, I've got it coming. You have you have too much dirt on me, so more things will come up. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, thanks, uh, thanks everyone if you made it this far of us. Um, it's uh, it's been a good week. Uh, puck drop tonight, uh, six o'clock at the Key Bake Center. Uh, you can l- listen to it on WGRR. Watch it on NBCSN. Um, it should uh, be a good game against the Blackhawks, and we uh, appreciate you guys listening, like I said, and go Sabres tonight. Definitely. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and have a great week off from the ups and downs of Sabres hockey.